So what we're uh, doing uh, today is we're continuing with our uh, sermon series uh, that we're calling Life with God for the Life of the World. And what we are doing uh, uh, right now is that we are looking at uh, some uh, spiritual disciplines that help uh, shape our life with God, spiritual practices that help us have a deeper uh, life with Him. And uh, life with God is really for the life of the world. And so uh, what we're doing today is we're looking very specifically um, at the spiritual practice of, uh, of reading scripture and the role that scripture has in our life. And uh, there's this quote inside your worship guide uh, from Barry Jones. He's a professor of spiritual formation at Dallas Theological Seminary. And this is how he puts it. And I read this quote last week, and it's a great uh, quote that really helps us understand the role of these spiritual disciplines within our life. But this is what uh, Jones writes. There's a rhythm of life that pulsates through the biblical vision of what it means to be human, a kind of breathing in and a breathing out, an inhale and an exhale. The breathing in is our participation in the divine life. The breathing out is our participation in the divine mission. The breathing in we often call spirituality, and the breathing out we often call a mission. Spirituality and mission are intimately bound up with one another, like inhaling and exhaling. The embodiment of this breathing in and breathing out is the essence of what it means to live a fully human life. So what we're doing this morning as we look at Scripture, we are asking the question, what role does Scripture play? What role does God's Word play in our life with God? And so we're going to be doing this by looking at a rather unusual text. We're looking at Ezekiel uh, chapter 2, verses 8 uh, through Ezekiel 3, verse 3. And I say this is unusual because Ezekiel is one of the weirdest books in the Bible. If you don't believe me, you should read the whole thing sometime. It's pretty weird. Um, but as a Professor always uh, said to me, he did his PhD on Ezekiel. He said the answer is in Ezekiel. And it's very true. It's a, it is a book that is very weird, but it's also... Uh, a book that is very relevant uh, as w- when we understand it. So this is Ezekiel 2, verses 8 through chapter 3, verse 3. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word. You can follow along in your worship booklet, or you can see the uh, words projected on the wall. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to my house. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with the scroll that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this past Sunday, uh, Kristen and I uh, went to Center City, Philadelphia, and attended a church planters uh, network meeting, and it was at the American Bible Society. It's right next to Independence Hall. It's 
for my first time there, but it was very beautiful. And, but to kick things off, the, the Bible Society presented research that they have concluded over the past few years. And the research was across the nation. It was very massive in scope. And they, were, they asked the question, what do Christians believe? Not what, not what do Christians. They asked the question, what do people believe about the Bible? But what was really helpful about this uh, presentation is that they, they were able to focus in on very, very, a very specific community. And so they were able to ask the question, what does Philadelphia think about the Bible? And it was fascinating. And so they gave all these statistics. So I'm not going to burden you with about, say, 50 statistics. I'm just going to give you two. But within the city of Philadelphia, of the one point. Uh, six million people, only 10% are churchgoers. So that's only one out of every 10 people that in the city of Philadelphia uh, go to church. But of that number, of, the, of that number, only 50% of those churchgoers pick up a Bible more than once a month. So 50% of Christians don't read scripture on their own more than once a month. So that's imp- impressive to me. That's, that's what we just see is that people are not reading the Bible for a lot of reasons. Perhaps they, it could be an intellectual thing like, hey, you believe that science disproves Scripture so you don't read uh, Scripture whatsoever. And so uh, some will say on, that on a personal level, on an experiential level, that they don't get anything out of it. Others will say that scripture is boring and irrelevant and doesn't really apply to them. And we see this across our culture because America is a post-Christian nation. The church is not authority. Uh, People do not come to uh, pastors. Uh, In fact, people are skeptical of us pastors. And scripture is really seen just like a book, a really, really, really old book. And that's our cultural moments, and many people will actually lament it. Um, and like, while there's reason to lament that fact, there's actually a reason for us to, as Christians to be hopeful. And this is why I say that, because what uh, has, is happening, happening, and research shows this, is that nominal Christianity is, is dying. Apathy about faith is dying. Where it's like you either believe Jesus Christ is really the Son of God or you don't, and you believe that with conviction. And so, what, in other words, what's going to happen as we continue to move forward, Scripture is going to make more and more sense to us as we go on because the moment that we live in is very similar to the moment that the New Testament was written as well. And so even though the Bible is increasingly seen like just an old book, the more that you explore it, the more that you read it, the more that you internalize it, the deeper your life with God is. That's something that we find claimed over and over and over again within Scripture. It's also something that Christians also can say about their own experience. So, so, and so like we truly need God's Word in order to have life with Him. This is what Jesus says in Luke 8.21. Like the setting is Jesus is teaching his mother and his brothers are outside, and so the the 
the message gets to Jesus, hey, your family's outside. And Jesus says this, my family is those who receive God's word and put it into practice. In other words, if you want to have a deep life with God, then you need to take and eat God's word. If you want to grow and become the person whom God created you to be, then you need to take and eat God's word. You need to be formed by his word. And so the title of today's sermon is is just that, Take and Eat. And how I want us to think about the role of Scripture within our lives is really like with three uh, headings. Uh, The first is eat God's word. The second is savor God's word. And then the third is do God's word. So where do we see eat God's word here in our text? And this is our first, uh, first idea, eat God's word. And as we look at Ezekiel, we actually see God telling Ezekiel to, to eat his word four times. He says in verse 8, uh, open your mouth and eat what I give you. And then as like Ezekiel doesn't know what that is, but then it unfolds as like, hey, here's a scroll, take and eat it. And then feed your belly, fill your belly. So four times God tells Ezekiel to take and eat this word. But what does it look like to take and eat God's word? This is a, an important question that we need to ask, but it's a question that we need to ask with, a lot, with humility because every single one of us has a different experience of God's word. Uh, what, what, this is what I mean by that. Some of you really enjoy reading large amounts of Scripture. Others of you don't. Others of you want to read short amounts of Scripture. Others of you... Uh, get more out of engaging scripture by listening to it. Others of you get more out of it when no one else is around and it's just you reading scripture. That we all have a different experience with God's word. And so our personal experience can't really answer this question. And we need to really ask this question because our personal experiences cannot answer this question of what does it mean to take and eat God's word? And so the, one of the first things that we find about this is that um, it comes from really verse uh, t- Ezekiel 1.28. Uh, we didn't read this uh, verse, so let me just read it for you. Um, Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. So God appears to Ezekiel, and what Ezekiel falls upon his face. I fell on my face. That's Ezekiel 1.28. And, and so Ezekiel is looking down at the ground like, until the the verses that we read. And so as he falls down, we see his posture in verse 8. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. And so God is speaking to Ezekiel, and he's saying, listen to me. But then he also goes on to say, open your mouth and eat what I give you. Ezekiel has no idea what God is going to give to him to eat. It could have been a steak. It could have been an apple. It could be a scroll. Like, that's what's going on. Ezekiel doesn't know what's going to happen. And so God calls Ezekiel just to receive whatever God gives him. In faith. And that is the very first thing from this text that we see. That eating God's word means that we need to embrace it in faith. We need to embrace it and depend upon it. Faith is, that's what really faith is. Faith is trust. We need to receive what God gives us in faith and put our lives on it. We need to depend on God's word. And that's a problem 
Because we do not depend upon God's word. We depend on on everyone else's word. We depend upon the advice of friends. We depend upon the news. We depend upon the experts. We depend upon ourselves. Like that's a picture of our lives. And so we fail to depend upon God in our lives. But Jesus was one time tempted by the devil. It's in uh, Mark 4, Matthew 4. And in and this moment, uh, Jesus is at a very vulnerable moment in his life. He has been fasting for 40 days out in the wilderness. And the accuser appears to him and says, hey, you are the son of God. You can do anything. So you see these rocks over here? Why don't you turn them into bread? Because like, hey, you're famished. You're hungry. So turn these, these rocks into bread. And Jesus turns around and says to him, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so what we see from Jesus's own life is that Jesus's life was centered on God's word, that he depended upon God's word in order to follow God. That's what Jesus himself does. And so we see that scripture is vital to our lives. This is what we see here in Ezekiel and Jesus's own life. And that what the picture that we have is that if we cannot truly live without Scripture in our life, God's Word needs to be a part of our everyday lives. And if you are a Christian, I guarantee you that you have heard similar things before. And I suspect that to one degree or another, like as we think about the role of God's word in our lives, that you could actually be feeling a lot of guilt about or shame, thinking to yourself, yes, I know I should read the Bible more. Yes, I know the Bible should be a bigger part of my life. But when you're feeling this way, that's because you see God's word primary, primarily as uh, something to read out of duty as opposed to delight. And that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to delight in his word. In other words, God wants us to savor his word. And this is the second idea. And we see this in Ezekiel's, in this passage here in verse 3, Ezekiel eats this scroll Paper, by the way, is not tasty. Just letting you know that. And he eats it, and it was in his mouth as sweet as honey. It's a metaphor for uh, savoring uh, God's word. And this is something we see over and over and over again all throughout Scripture. Uh, For example, look at Psalm 119. Uh, It's the longest chapter in Scripture. It's 176 verses. It takes about 18 minutes to read it in one sitting. It's a fairly lengthy psalm. And the whole psalm is actually about how amazing God's word is. Here's just a few verses. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate upon your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. And so eating God's word involves enjoying it and savoring it. And sadly, more often than not, that's not the case for us. And largely, this is because we approach Scripture in a wrong manner. We approach Scripture, we approach God's Word as something to be dissected, something to be analyzed, something to be studied. And 
I'm just telling you uh, that I really love biology. Like uh, a few years ago, when Planet Earth uh, put out by uh, BBC came out, uh, I got it and I started watching it. It's amazing to see the diversity of animal life across this planet. And I really surprised Jennifer just how much I was really into it. And this is because when I like I enjoy biology, and that's because I had an amazing bi- biology teacher. We would have homework assignments where we would have to walk through the state park, which was right um, in the back, literally the backyard of our high school. But we would have to go bird watching, we, and so that, that bird watching was turned into a scavenger hunt, and that's a great homework assignment. But we would also like have labs where we would dissect pigs, or um, or uh, we would read. Of course, we would read our textbook, which is a very boring thing to do. Uh, but we, would, we had a, a lot of different assignments. But I tell you, if you wanted me to actually hate biology, like how you would do that is it by, what for me to, is to require me to always dissect pigs and to smell formaldehyde like day after day after day after day. Like you're not, we're not seeing the 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 diverse beauty of God's creation, we're just being focused to analyze on one thing. And so this is actually many, this is how many understand scripture, is that it is a book that is meant to be studied, is meant to be analyzed. And like, friends, it's good to study scripture. I've spent eight years of my life and a lot of money on studying scripture and getting to degrees on biblical and religious studies. Like, I'm a but I'm a Bible nerd. But I'm telling you that if you want to enjoy God's word, you can't approach scripture as something to primarily study. You need to approach scripture as God's words that he gives to you as he wants to know you. So the, the, the Bible, God's word, is really an invitation to you to actually have life with him. And so when you know that God is coming to you, speaking to you, pursuing you through his word, he is inviting you to a deeper life. When we have that understanding, then all of a sudden reading scripture is actually about our personal relationship with God. Reading scripture is about knowing the character, knowing the personality of God. And and with that mentality, we are able to actually, with that expectation, we're able to enjoy scripture a lot more. And it actually helps us understand why we actually do engage in studying Scripture because, like, the culture and the other dynamics behind Scripture that really gave the context for Scripture is important to understand in order that we can have a personal understanding of who God is. So, like, God is calling us here to savor His Word and, but this is also where we just need to admit that many times uh, uh, we don't enjoy God's word. Many times so we don't savor it. Many times it's just like a chore. So it, we feel like it's boring and so we set it aside. And so in those moments, what are we supposed to do? Well, Tish Warren, uh, some of you are reading the Liturgy of the Ordinary. This is one quote that she gives and she, in her book. She says that there are times when we approach Scripture, whether in private study or gathered worship, and find it powerful and memorable. And then, then there are other times that we read Scripture, and it seems unappetizing as stale bread to us. 
I'm bored or confused or skeptical or repulsed. And there are times when I walk away from Scripture with more questions than answers. But how should we respond when we find Scripture perplexing or dry or boring or unappealing? We keep eating. We acknowledge that there is far more wonder in this life of worship than when we, than we yet have eyes to see or stomachs to digest. So Warren's point is that if you don't, even if you don't savor God's word in that specific moment, if you find it boring, confusing, perplexing, what you need to do is actually keep reading it because that understanding will come. And when that understanding comes, your eyes will be opened to the wonder of God, to the beauty of God. And so you'll discover that God, that there's more wonder than our stomachs can digest. And so the Bible is a book, yes, but, the, but the, it is the way to life with God. And God freely offers himself to us. He pursues us, and he wants us to have life with him. The God of, of love and joy and peace and kindness and compassion and beauty is offering himself to you. But here's the real issue. And if you're, if you're going to savor God's word, then you must first enjoy him. That's key. If you're going to enjoy God's word, you need to delight in him. And if you don't enjoy him, then you'll never enjoy his word. That's the, that's the reality. And if that's you, I want to plead with you to, because God is for your joy. God is for your delight. And he actually gives himself for your joy. He gives you his word so that you would know him, that your word, that your God gives you his word to know him so that your joy would increase. That's the role of scripture. I just came across a C.S. Lewis poem yesterday, and it's beautiful. And C.S. Lewis has an amazing way with words. But this is what he says. If you want to get warm, then you must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get to or even into the very thing that has them. The way that we do that is through God's word. But we will not truly savor God's word unless we do God's word. And this is verse three, uh, verse one in chapter three. God says to Ezekiel to eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. And so God gives Ezekiel his word to eat. Then he sends him out. And so this very same rhythm occurs in Revelation uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11, when the apostle John has a vision where the same thing happens. Um, an angel comes uh, to John, gives him the scroll, says, take and eat of it. And then this is what uh, the angel says in verse, Revelation 10, verse 11. Take and eat the scroll. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Then go. You must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. And so what we see from this is that God's word has a missional purpose. God's word is, sends us out to our neighbors, to our, into our homes, into our everyday lives. God's word is meant to be acted upon. And that is the sign that you are one of Jesus' followers. That if you receive God's word and put it into practice, that is what Jesus said in Luke 8, that my family is those who receive God's word and put it into practice. 
writer Eugene Peterson put it this way, if we are to read scripture accurately, then we must live it. Like, think about it this way. If you want to learn how to cook, are you just going to stand in the kitchen and just read a a cookbook and say, hey, now I know how to cook? Like, no. If you want to uh, learn how to cook, you actually have to cook yourself. You need to put it into practice. If you want to learn uh, the piano, are you just going to listen to the classic composers of Beethoven and Mozart, or perhaps watch some YouTube videos and say like, hey, this is how the keys, where your fingers are supposed to be? Like, no, you actually need to put it into practice. You need to like show, like practice over and over and over again. And that, like what we see here is that if we want to properly understand scripture, we need to put it into practice in our everyday lives. You do it. That's what scripture is meant to do. Scripture is never meant just to be studied and analyzed. No, scripture is meant to be read, enjoyed, and acted upon. That is why God gives us his word, because that is actually the the way that we're going to embody his love. That is the way we're going to know the joy that God has for us. That's how we are going to thrive and flourish. And so over the past few weeks, we've been considering the fact that the call for every single one of Jesus' The call for every single one of Jesus' followers is to embody his love. And what we see from this text is that we cannot ever hope to embody his love without first eating, internalizing that that story by receiving God's word and putting it into practice. Like the point of this is that if we're going to understand God's love, then we need to live it. Or like put it the other way around. If we're going to embody God's love, then we must first receive God's word. We need to eat it. We need to savor it. And then that, then we can do it. And so friends, like if you want to have life with God, you need to take and eat his word. Let's pray.